Hey team, welcome to this week's episode of Please Blow My Mind with me, Will Fleming. Today on the podcast, we are talking about ageism. Now, it's not something that I've ever thought about, really, and it makes sense that I haven't, right? I'm 38, and I'm in the working prime of my life. I'm kind of at that balance of I can stay out really late and burn the candle like we all did in our 20s, but I can channel the things I've learned to now make money. And what's interesting about that is I'm not even considering a time where people might consider my age as a negative. Right now, like I said, I'm almost 40. I'm certainly in that zone where an employer would look at me and say, that's the type of age we want. They've got enough energy or, or whatever they think happens when you're in your 30s and 40s. But the guest I speak to today, Patty Temple Rocks, she went through the stage of being just like me, just like you in our prime of our working lives. And then all of a sudden she saw a change. She saw people being managed out because of age. She also was, you know, she also was managed out because of age and it sent her down this journey of understanding ageism, why it happens, what we can do about it, and so on. So I wanted to chat with her because when we're blowing our minds, we're just thinking of us as we are now. I think part of the journey is to think about us 10 years ago, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, and just try and work out how do we take all the experiences and have true life balance. You know, I talk a lot on this podcast about kind of mental strength and physical strength, and, and, and that is kind of the antidote to all of this craziness online, but also all of this craziness in our heads. You know, we've got to armor ourselves up so that when the crap stuff happens, we can be at our best. And I don't know if that's always, you know, I don't know if that's always the the priority for a lot of people in society, you know, like... Yeah, I don't know what it is, but it gets very complicated. But but part of it is just having these conversations with lots of different people about different perspectives. And and Patty came across me through uh, um, a mutual contact, and and we booked in a virtual chat. And look, it was a good one. We have a deep chat about the working life. And I hope what you take away from it is just that you know we're all on this journey. We're all on this journey, and it doesn't matter what age you are. You know, you kind of think of yourself as you, but we are young, middle, old, whatever. We're all the same person, but it doesn't mean everyone else treats us as the same person. So this conversation hopefully blows your mind just to think about your own your own world, you know, and, and what lens you're viewing it through. Okay, team, let's get into the chat. Thank you all for joining the conversation, and thank you all for blowing my mind. We live in a world that encourages us to remove ourselves from the human experience. Whether it's looking at our phones too long, forgetting how to talk to someone face to face, or just straight up giving in and convincing ourselves that a chicken nugget is actual food. It's not food, it's violence. I don't know about you, but this freaks me out. So I've started a podcast, my antidote to this silliness. It's time to blow our minds. My name is Will Fleming, welcome to my podcast, Please Blow My Mind. Patty, um, thank you for joining me on the podcast. I just firstly want to acknowledge the fact that uh, we live in a time now where 
two strangers from different parts of the globe at different times of the day can catch up and have a conversation. And I think, you know, we're going to talk about your book today, but isn't it interesting that we live in the time now where for all of social media's problems, it's also it's also kind of unlocking something else where we really are worldwide. I mean, do you think about that? <laughs> I do think about that. In fact, not only are you and I speaking in different parts of the day, I think it's different day. So yes. I'm still on Friday and I think we've already made it to Saturday. So um, yes, no, it is um, remarkable. And then I've, I've always, I've loved to travel and I've had the, the benefit of a lot of travel in my life and it just makes the world so much smaller in a good mm, way. Mm. And I mean, on that travel point, because we live so far away from each other, um, do you think it's something that's encouraged for people today? I mean, what was it like for you growing up in New Zealand? It's a big part of our cultural identity that at 18 or 19, you're you're not forced, but you're told to go see the rest of the world, you know, because New Zealand's so far away. It's like we need to be cultured. What what I guess what are you like? What was your history with traveling and in the states? Are people encouraged to go out and see the rest of the world? Because America's like its whole world on its own, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I would say that was probably growing up a little bit more. What it was like for me was travel was more in the in the United States. And um, we it was just different than it is today. It was mm. not, you know, when I graduated from college or um, university, it was um, I was all about getting a job, you know, mm. and I always joke and say, if I'd known when I got a job that I would keep working for so long, <laughs> I might've gone to Europe with my buddies and, you know, had a little fun, but it just was a very, um, not as common as it was, uh, today. And, and, you know, my son who's 20, just turned 22, spent, um, a semester studying in abroad. And, you know, although his base was Croatia, he, I think he went to 22 other countries mm. and I thought that was awesome, you know, and fully encourage it. And especially I think the younger, generations coming up just view um, the ability to travel mm. as um, a critical part of their identity and, you know, don't want a job that would force them to never be able to do it. That's more companies are trying to um, give longer vacations so that people can take some of these trips that, you know, might take a little bit longer. So I think that we've in the U S I think we're late to the game, mm. <laughs> but I definitely think that we um, have reached a place where, international travel is just much more important to people. Well, look, there's multiple things that I think play in. And, and what I want to kind of quickly talk about is, um, so I got connected to you through, uh, I guess, a mutual person that we both know. And and when I started reading a bit about your book and, and specifically the word ageism, one thing struck me was that I'd never said that word out loud and I'd never thought about it. I'd never really thought. I mean, look, I think that in my mind, Obviously, people get older, and I just never thought, well, one day I'm going to be older. And so I didn't really go that much deeper because I thought we would get the chance to chat, and 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 I didn't want to bring too many kind of um, just ideas or random thoughts. And I, I wonder if you could maybe just outline your book and, and, and just give us a little bit of a scope because obviously I want to go into uh, – people being wise I've, I'm interested in um, you know even we talk about traveling all of these things give you world experience and and you just mentioned that you know the college version of you made a different decision to the you now and and for me that is because you know you lived 
and you are living and you're taking things in and you're learning and and then I thought about ageism and I'm like, well, why are we not celebrating that? It should be that the workforce force, um, should be built from people who have really good ideas on things because they've done it. But it doesn't seem to be that way. So I'm, I know I'm opening up a can of worms. Maybe you could just start with how you came up with your idea for the book and, and, and briefly what it's about. Or not briefly. Sure. We can talk well, and a couple. But before I do that, because yeah. the... the um, And you said the word ageism. I think one thing that I should um, acknowledge from the outset is that there is, there are different understandings of it in different cultures. And there are some cultures that I think do a better job and are more reverential um, and respectful Mm. of their senior population, you know, and, and certainly their tribal Africa, there's a lot of places where um, the older you are, the more perceived wisdom and value you bring to your tribe or your group or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, The other point I wanted to make though is ageism um, can cut both ways. And so just as anybody that is older deserves to be taken seriously and have opportunities to prove their value and do their best work. So just somebody younger Mm -hmm. and that um, you know, you you and I, when we were chatting a little bit, we t- you talked about the divisiveness, and I don't think this is a zero sum game at all. And I do not think that um, you know we need fewer young people in the workplace so that there's room for more older people. Yep. To the contrary, what I think needs to happen is that age just needs to be treated as one of the valued attributes that somebody brings to the workplace, just like their gender or their, you know, people's different race race experiences they bring mm. to the workplace create a more diverse and inclusive workforce. Mm. And what we were finding here in the United States was a little bit that the older worker was not really being included as much as they should be as part of the conversation. So right. I, I can, if, if you want, I can sort of tell you my personal story, yes, which please. was was what made me decide that I wanted to write a book. I had, um, you know, been very career minded, as you might have gathered, since I chose not to go to Europe and get a job (laughs) instead, Um, my whole career. And so was just always, um, you know, working hard and doing what I needed to do to get to the next level. And I was very blessed and fortunate to have, um, you know, what I consider has been a very successful career. But as I got more senior and higher up in the organizations that I was in, I started to just notice some things that didn't feel quite right to me. And one of them happened to my then boss, who was a super successful woman in the first woman to reach the level that she had reached in this company. This was a fortune 50 big U S company. And um, she was the first woman that had, that was part of this executive rank. And she was put, she was a straw, she'd been in business her whole career. And when she was moved into this new responsibility, she was put into a different role where she was responsible for um, human resources and public affairs, which was not necessarily her background or training, but mm-hmm. good leaders can lead through all sorts of things. And she did. And I think that one of the smart things she did was hire me um, because my background was in marketing and communication. So she hired me to um, join the organization as the head of communications and working with her and working with, you know, obviously lots of other leaders. We did some really great things for the company and had a lot of success, but I started to notice that her, um, she seemed to be involved less in some of the key meetings and some of the key decisions. And I felt like she was being sort of um, 
you know, put to the side a little bit. And it mm. made zero sense to me um, because I knew how talented and committed and good she was. And I had the opportunity at a work-related cocktail party one evening to be with our um, her boss and my, you know, the CEO of our company. And I just asked him why... I said, I think I feel like something's off with Julie and she's not being invited to some of the meetings. What's going on? And his, he, he answered basically, well, I think you're right, but don't you see that could be good for you? And so my first reaction was kind of, Oh, is he implying that I could, something might go wrong and I'm going to get her job because that's not what I'm after. But then right. it's what he said next that completely slayed me. And next he said, and you know, she's been doing this a really long time. I think she may be tired. Hmm. Now he chose the exact opposite of a word that would be used ever used or ever has been probably used to describe this woman. And I knew it just wasn't right. And um, I didn't know at the time that it was sort of, you know, one of many euphemisms for ageism, um, but I just knew it wasn't right and it mm. wasn't fair. And so, you know, she decided to um, move on from the company, take a package and move on. And, um, you know, hasn't, of course, missed a beat since then. She's on several boards and consults and teaches and does all these things. But what it kind of scarred me a little bit, too, because I thought if they can do that to her, why wouldn't they do it to others or why wouldn't it happen to me? Um so that was a little bit of, it was in the back of my mind. Now this mind you was almost 10 years ago. So there's a lot of time passed between then and when I decided to write the book. But during that time, I started seeing other similar things happening to other people who it just didn't make sense to me. But my first response was, was in hindsight wrong um, because my first response was, I am not going to let this happen to me. Mm. And I'm going to make sure that I'm the one I go before anybody starts to think I'm not relevant anymore. You know, I'm going to watch for the signs and I'm going to be, you know, on to my next thing. And I, I bought books and I read books about how to create a second career. Your second act is a popular way to describe that. But these were all things that in my view, anyway, were lesser than my full career. You know, I could go open a, a boutique on a beach or I, cause I love beaches and I love boutiques or I could go do, you know, there were all these suggestions for how I could do things like that. And then, you know, I found myself frankly in a somewhat similar position where after, you know, many years successfully running a large office and a profit P and L managing lots of people, I was moved into a job that we would, we call here in the States an individual contributor um, but I just, it didn't feel like a meaningful job to me. And I'd spent my whole career doing meaningful work. And um, I realized that my whole strategy of, you know, being ready for what I was going to do next wasn't going to work because I, A, I didn't see it coming. And B, I didn't want to go do something different. Mm -hmm. Like I wanted to continue being um, valued and needed and energized and all those things by the career I had. So mm -hmm. I kind of turned that into a, I don't, I bet this isn't just me. And I bet this ju isn't just some of my friends that I've seen it happen to. I think this could be a bigger issue. Mm -hmm. And I wrote a blog about it and the blog was shared and, you know, it went not viral as in the millions, but I had, you know, tens of thousands of people responding to it. And I realized ageism is a problem mm -hmm. and it's not just a problem in my life. It's a problem in the business world, and it's time that 
we get people talking about it. So that's why I decided to write the book. That's, um, yeah, that's, you know, the, the strange thing is, is that I'm in that zone right now. I'm thinking to myself, I need to keep skilled. I, I need to, you know, keep pushing, and and I'm in I'm in those meetings at the moment. And I guess there is that fear, right? And, and I guess one thing I wanted to ask is uh, around kind of like gender. So is it is it more prevalent with the male bosses with the with the female workers? I mean, how does that all work? Is it something that is just equal everywhere that it's really based on as you get older that people start to kind of transition you out you know i've got some people that i respect very much that i've gotten to know you know in talking about this who definitely think that it's worse for women that it is not um and and i i have not necessarily found that to be completely true Mm -hmm. i believe that you know the thing about age is it affects all of us regardless of our gender or our skin color or our religious beliefs or our sexual preference we all age and Mm. get older um in fact one of the the gentlemen that i interviewed for my book um had an interesting i asked him the exact same question and he said well let's just put it this way i think that when they decided to get rid of me if i was um an ethnic minority they would have thought twice and probably not done it Mm. I was the female, they would have at least thought once, maybe done it, maybe not. But as a white male, they didn't even think twice. Right. And so I don't, you know, I don't, and it's also, I don't really care to be honest, whether, because I think it's, it is something that impacts everybody. And I have chosen um, in my life. And so I'm going to continue to choose to do so with this book that I don't believe in any of these issues in treating it like a zero sum game. If women have been marginalized in the workforce, the only way that we can get ahead is if we make men pay or, you know, I just think that um, there's room for everybody. And perhaps that sounds naive and Pollyanna ish, but I truly believe it. And unfortunately that also means if there's discrimination, there's discrimination based on age. um, It impacts everybody. So I I think it really is um, sort of gender neutral. Uh, Again, if I'm going to pick one or the other, there's probably a little bit more bias against women in this in part because of the physical biases against women. Women are more, you know, a woman with gray hair is going to be judged to look older than a man with gray hair. It's Mm. just our, at least in, you know, America societal norms, that's kind of the way it is, but Mm. I would not relax. (laughs) Um, There was an old joke that one of my interview subjects told me about, you know, what do you call um, a male over 50 in this company? CEO are gone, you know? <laughs> and so I don't think it's something where men can sit back. And and by the way, you know, when you, you spoke about your own feeling, like, I think there's a healthy amount of, we should all be trying to get better every day mm-hmm. and keep our skills fresh. And, um, you know, I said, I've said many times, if this, if anybody were to perceive my book as a way of saying that older people have the right to keep their job as long as they want, mm-hmm. I'll walk away from the movement because it's not, you have to be good. You have to be good at your job and you have to work hard. I just don't want anybody assuming that because I make too much money or I'm too old or making stereotypical judgments that maybe I'm tired or maybe I'm not digital enough or, you know, any one of these other things that I don't want the decision made for me. I want the chance to prove myself. I think what's so interesting, Patty, is that it's so complicated and there's so many kind of intricacies, which, in our modern world it's like every single thing has this d- 
deep level of you know it's it's a little bit of this it's a little bit of that but at the same time um we're all trying to make sense of it in real time you know so we don't have the the we don't have the perspective yet or specifically i do i don't so that's why i'm interested in in these um types of conversations and when you were interviewing people for your book like what was it like for them were they aware that these things were happening were they was it cathartic for them to know to to have somewhere to kind of articulate that not just in their own minds what was it like for your interviewees you know i think every one of them sort of had their own story and mm. came to it in their own um ways and you know these were i'm in i was interviewing people you know, everyone was over 50, although I did interview some that were not because mm. I wanted to know sort of what they were seeing and feeling. But um, so these are people who have a level of wisdom and maturity and common sense. So I would say that one of the things that I found fairly consistent, consistently in talking to people is they're, they, they sort of understand that perhaps there's a business reason why they might be sort of moved over because of cost. So Clearly, sometimes people with more experience have ended up with higher salaries than those that are right out of their career. Um, well, that's for a reason, usually, because it comes with you know experience, etc. But too many people, I found, were um, sort of letting, giving a company a free pass. And I mm. said, well, what you know, what else? Weren't there other things that they could have done differently? Or what if somebody would have come to you and said, okay, we. Um, we need to think about your job differently because we've now got, you know, too many people too. We don't have enough work coming in for this level, but your skills and you are so valuable to this organization, would you be open to doing X or would you consider doing Y? And even when those X and Y considerations meant for some people um, perhaps working different, you know, part-time or at a, at a different pay structure, they were all, willing to consider it mm. and would have far appreciated by far, they would have been more positive about the employer had that employer come to them with an honest conversation. Right. Too often it was just sort of like, well, you know, we, we, we just can't afford you anymore. We don't need this position or even worse. Um, I talked to several people who were put in, jobs that were beneath them or unpleasant or whatever, where the company was just hoping that they would get frustrated and leave, mm. um, which happened at some point in time. So I, I do think that, um, you know, the, the category of people who are in this age cohort need to be comfortable speaking up about it. And I think there's been such a stigma associated with age in a bad way sometimes, you know, that people you know, would not want to stand up and say, well, you know, I think, I don't think you're treating me well because I'm, you know, I'm older because nobody has wanted to say sort of out loud how old they are or aren't, or, you know, that's always been something that's been sort of, you know, you're, we're told not to ask people about money or how old they are. Yeah. Know? Right. Wow. So there's, it's kind of recalibrating our social norms, you know, not all norms are good norms, you know, so it's, uh, well, um, I wonder your thoughts too on this emerging technology you know so let's say for example tesla's not too far away from operating you know self-driving cars and um, and offering that and i i'm assuming self-driving trucks are not far behind and that takes a, a heap of the workforce out and um you know also automation on computers and cell phones and 
I, I think myself, I'm in a technical job and it's like, well, how long before the computer can make a better video than I can? And then what does that mean for me, you know? Um, and so there's all of these different things as well, right? It's not just your age, it's also the technology. And I think traditionally, um, I don't know if traditional is the right word, but we definitely get the feeling that, you know, that the young graduates coming through, they have a better handle on on technology. But I don't know if that's necessarily true. I mean, one thing I'm way better at doing as a almost 40 year old is learning. I was a horrible learner when I was, you know, in my teens. And and so I feel like if there's drastic technological change, actually, the older you are, the better <laughs> you are at sitting down um, practicing um, you know being patient enough I don't know why we have it all backwards I mean there's lots there but I guess we'll start with the um, kind of changing in the job market is there anything that you kind of had a look at when you're researching sure and I I think that um, you know it is completely fair and necessary to have um people in who are going to figure out how to build the next self-driving car mm. or, you know, create um, some of the technology that, that has changed the way that we communicate. And um, it's fair to say that a lot of those um, innovations have come from younger people who don't have, you know, who, who have a different sort of mindset and training, but it doesn't mean that it can't come from other people. And I'll, I'll use an example of um, Facebook. So, Mark Zuckerberg, who I've never met, and um, but I did come across a rather famous quote that he gave at some large um, gathering of tech- technology folks a f- few years ago, and he truly said, um, "Young people are just smarter." And talking about you know how Facebook was at the at time, you know, I think the average age of Facebook was literally twenty five. Um, and I find, I found that quote interesting in the context of today, because, um, I'm sure you've been following it, but Mark Zuckerberg has been dragged in front of the Congress Mm -hmm. grilled, um, like crazy has been caught, you know, sort of unprepared for some of the, um, societal expectations on privacy. And I think that, you know, this is a great example where the marriage of, youth and innovation and technology with the wisdom that comes through, you know, managing through a crisis where you lose the public's trust Mm. or, you know, something where you're suddenly dealing um, with government regulators all the time. This is not something that the younger generation are going to be personal, you know, automatically, good at. They're going to have to learn that. And that only comes from experience. So, Mm. you know, I, again, I do not for a second believe that this is a zero sum game, but I do believe that the best workforce is one that mirrors the population and the population is full of all sorts of people. Mm. So if you bring, you know, sort of the wisdom, you know, so I, talked to somebody who said, you know, I admittedly, like I grew up writing, we had faxes, fax machines that we would fax people things. And I did, um, I actually used to mail a letter to somebody or I would pick up the phone and call them. And he said, you know, I remember then being in charge of helping our country, our company introduce email because email was considered, you know, a, a revolutionary new way to communicate. And today, of course, most People, even in the business world, they're messaging using IM. And, and mm-hmm. so his experience of what it was like to lead the company through that change 
I think is just as valuable as writing the code, you know, or any of those things that sort of help do it. So, um, yeah. And, and if we take that kind of feeling of what you're saying, um, we're, you know, we're talking about kind of high paced, um, which is, you know, technology and, and all these things. But at the same time, I feel like there's a kind of resurgence for, you know, um, things like what we're doing now. We're not looking for sound bites. We're actually just chatting. So there's 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 things being forced in which we want to articulate longer. And I feel like maybe uh, there could be, that's the solution for keeping all ages working, right? Everyone offers, everyone offers kind of different perspectives and different thoughts. Do you see uh, change or do you see people um, taking seriously what you are talking about? Or is it still stacked against, uh, you know, say people over 50 that uh, unconsciously these decision makers or consciously are still um, going? Like, has anything changed, I guess, from origin that original uh topic you gave with your your former boss you know are, are things getting better um no i don't i mean i don't think they really are yet i think that um you know part of let's talk for a second too about part of i think what is driving this change is the longevity um of the generation that i'm speaking of so the generation um that's in their 50s and 60s today we are the baby boomers mm -hmm. and so we are you know the largest single generation um millennials are the next you know and it sometimes is back and forth between which one's bigger but very close but there's a lot a lot a lot of baby boomers and we are living longer than our parents did um and so the old joke about you know 50s the new 40 etc. It's true. You know, at 60, um, we 50, 30 years ago at 60, you were maybe looking at another 10, 15 years of life. Mm -hmm. So the idea of retiring at that point in time might've been appealing, might've been something that people wanted to do. But today you are more than likely going to live another 20 to 30 years. And a many of the people that I talked to, they just don't want to retire. They're mm -hmm. not, you know, what do you do for 20, 30 years, you know? And um, another reality is that they're um, financially not able to retire. It's, it's, there's a huge portion of um, the population, at least in the United States, that is just wholly unprepared from a saving standpoint to retire. And if you force that retirement on people earlier than they would like, um, then, you know, that just sort of makes the financial risk even worse. And mm. so I don't, I don't think it's gotten better because I don't think there have been any sort of events or movements. You know, mm. I talked, I talked about the um, me too movement. Um, the, there was, there've been a couple studies that have shown that ageism is by far the most common form of workplace discrimination by far um, more than gender or race or sexual preference. And yet um, it's, the most underreported um, for lots of reasons. And we could go into that if you want that. But, um, you know, I started thinking about, well, what if there was a Me Too movement for age? Like I started my blog that I did a few years ago was called I'm Not Done, hashtag I'm Not Done, which is the name of my book, because that's how I felt. Like, I'm not done. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I've got more that I want to do and keep doing. So I thought, what if Me Too... <laughs> I'm not done rather becomes a me too movement. Then you're going to look at so many people 
who are going to look backwards at their career and realize that was ageism. Mm -hmm. That was wrong. What was done to me. And I don't, you know, um, I don't, I'm not advocating that everybody needs to look backwards and file lawsuits and all the rest of that, but their businesses have been getting away with this for decades because the people that were affected were actually close to retirement age, Mm -hmm. or they would just decide, you know, I don't want to make any waves. Maybe I'll get a consulting out of this or, you know, so a lot of age related, um, work dismissals, whether, um, you know, outright or sort of coerced, um, were just left unchallenged, um, by people. And so I think, you know, I hope honestly that my speaking out about this and writing a book and getting others to speak out will help people realize in the workplace, wait a minute, this isn't right. You know, Mm -hmm. let's talk about this. And and I want, and I, I also believe because I'm, um, an eternal optimist, glass half full kind of person that when business leaders realize what the damage that they're doing to their organization and to the people in it, they'll change. Mm. You know, it's just like, I think once people, it's like any other bias, it's unconscious a lot of it. And once people realize what that is wrong and that they will make some changes in their um, workplace to make it more welcoming and possible Mm. for everyone of all ages to be happy and successful. You know, one of the things that's happening when you're talking is you're also motivating me to try and understand why we give that amount of power away to others, you know? So why not, um, learn how to run your own business, you know? So these are lifelong things. So there is no shelf life over, uh, what you can do for somebody else you can still do things for other people but you know um maybe it's maybe it's trying to not not just live in that old traditional setup where you go to somewhere to have a job and i feel like maybe that's what you're doing you know like you're you're your own boss you know it's like we you're deciding if you want to talk to me and then we can organize it and we'll email back and forth there's no middle management and uh time limits and you know all that kind of stuff so that's maybe something people should be thinking about too right like not just i think the goal was get a secure job but those don't even seem to be around anymore. The payoff was you had a secure job. But in New Zealand, for example, even if you have a secure job, you still can't buy a house. So the social fabric, the social contract isn't even living up to that part. And uh, I right. think that's really interesting. Like, um, w- was there a change where you decided to um, kind of take a bit more of that control or... Well, a couple, I have a couple of reactions at first. Yep. I did yep. actually do that for about 10 years in the middle of my career. I left my job, had my, started my own agency, um, and did that for about a decade. And, um, for a lot of the reasons that you're talking about. And I think that, um, we should all have sort of multiple cards up our sleeves, so to speak about different things that we could do. And I, um, you know, personally that works for me, you know, to be self-motivated and make my own choices, but for, but it doesn't necessarily work for everybody. And the only danger I think in that danger, but um, you know, what, I, what, what, one of the things that I want to respond to and what you're saying is that's all well and good, but we can't let businesses off the hook because, you you know, it still is um, you know, I don't want the answer to ageism to be that you have to step out of the traditional workforce to make it work for you. Because I think that there are, and I found some, there's some great examples of companies out there that are doing it right. 
Um, so it can be done in a way that is good for business and good for the the people in your organization and good for the people in your organization who happen to be over 50. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, okay. Yeah. I totally hear that. And I'm by no way trying to let them off the hook. I guess I was just trying to think, you know, given the chance we now pile on top of each other in cities. And if you were told that the goal wasn't that, and maybe to aim for, a trailer house you know or those minimalist houses you know with a small bit of land i don't know maybe it's just not scalable maybe that's the 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 eternal human uh, plight is you know we're trying to all do this thing and there's lots of us and we've got to make it all work and uh, it's interesting that um we i think would you agree we do make it work? <laughs> you know, like more than not. It's it's pretty amazing. There's so many of us. Like even your country. What do you guys got? Like 350 million or something people. Right, right. And for the most part, I, I don't know. I don't try not to speak in generalizations too much, even though it's extremely fun. Um, but it seems like, you know, you drive on the right-hand side of the road. That's still happening today. You know, there's an imaginary line that separates left and right, and we all agree to it. And I, I think that's a, the water still runs for most places, you know, and it's, sure. it's pretty amazing stuff. I've got three questions um, to maybe see what you got to say on it. And I guess it's the first thing is people should buy your book because then they can really understand. Um, but what would you say to the young person work, moving into the workforce today? Something that they could just start thinking about so that, because obviously it's one of those things that you don't know it's happening until it's, it's happened. And, and also to someone in that 50 to 60 year old range who's thinking about this, you know, identifying is one thing and then actually doing something is some, a bit different, you know. So maybe we could start with the young person. What would you say to someone who's, starting their career? Well, I would say it's going to be a long career, Mm. um, you know, and um, hopefully, and and to your point about, you know, um, maybe doing it differently, if it's a long career, so you should do things that make you happy, you know, and do things that you enjoy. But I would, um, you know, I've always said that I feel like um, when we get to the end of our career, we, we, tend to not put as much thought into it as we did at the beginning of our career. And that's on the side of the employer and the employee. And it's, um, we should put as much thought into the end of our career as the beginning of the career. Every conversation you have with um, a boss, you know, or an employee, if you're the boss should be about what are you looking to do next year? What are your goals? How do you want to get better? How do you want to improve? What would you like to experience? How can you help the organization? And, and that's, that's not a conversation that switches off when you're 50, you know, those conversations sort of still need to happen. So, and I, you know, and I also, um, something you said earlier made me think about this too. I have generally found in my career that it is not the 20 somethings or the 30 somethings who exhibit ageist behaviors. They frankly are still in stages in their career where they're like sponges and they want to soak up and learn mm. from those that have been there, done that, etc. I think the, the ageism tends to creep in a little bit more, um, you know, as somebody is um, getting 
when the generations collapse a little bit more. Like I have found, you know, 40 somethings to exhibit more ageist behavior by far than 20 somethings. Right. Um, so what else did you ask me? What would I tell businesses to do? I think that the, um, you know, one of the easiest and yet the hardest things that business can do is just have the conversation. Mm-hmm. It is not a comfortable, you know, in my own case, um, this job that I described that that didn't feel like a real job to me. And so I pushed back a little bit, you know, and said, um, you know, it just doesn't, doesn't, no, I don't really want to do it. Well, it was kind of too late because somebody had already been offered my job. And so I, I was making things much more complicated by saying, you know, no, I don't really want to do that. So we kind of went back and forth about it. Um, and I knew that I was not making it easy for my boss. And at, so at one point, sort of out of frustration, I think, more than mean-spiritedness, he just said to me, well, how much longer do you want to work anyway? And it was a little bit like a kick in the stomach because I hadn't even thought about not working. You know, I was still feeling very much, um, I was 50, I'm 59 years old now. I was 58 when this happened and, you know, had no thoughts at that point of retiring. Now, like any other conversation, change the setting, change the tone, change a lot of things. That could have been a lovely conversation. If it had been, hey, Patty, you are so valuable to our organization. Um, Your team loves you. You've helped us make money. You've really been great. And thank you so much for that. Let's talk about what you think the end of your career should look like. Mm -hmm. Have you given any thought yet? Do you want to work for five more years, 10 more years? You know, what are you thinking? I no longer now... I know he's not mad at me. I don't feel threatened or caught off guard by that conversation. And by the way, he, I hope is having that conversation with everybody else at the, you know, of that age, because then it can become a safe, comfortable conversation where, you know, most people don't want to work forever. There are those that want to work into their eighties or nineties. I'm not one of them, but it, it, the way that our current business construct is, it doesn't feel comfortable to say, well, I might want to retire in a few years because then, you know, and again, I don't know enough about your culture, but then you would be considered, oh, short term, yep. we don't need to do, you know, and then people start to question your commitment. And so people don't often have those conversations. But so one of the messages in my book to businesses have that conversation, just have it in a comfortable, non-threatening way so that you can plan for workforce transitions and the people can plan for workforce transitions. And if there is, um, you know, if there are the, the line can't always go straight to the top. And so sometimes you need to look at, especially with older workers, what would be a good way to use Patty's skills? Where Mm -hmm. could she, you know, um, add some value. One of the things that, um, that I've thought a lot about is expat assignments. So in most big organizations, they tend to send people to another country um, for a job role if they're, um, you know, on their way up and, and the, the job assignment in a, in a different country is considered to be building their career, which is well and good. And that's all something that um, company may want to do, but from a practical standpoint, those are people who often have kids, kids in school, it's more expensive to move them. It's more complicated. Why not take somebody who's got kids that are grown and gone, who's got the wisdom and the experience of knowing the organization super well, send them for a few years, and it makes sense. And that would be a great way to Agreed. sort of respect 
the older people and provide value to the company. I think that's a great solution that um, just makes sense. I think, you know, so many things you're saying make sense, you know, and I don't know, lots of things I seem to be talking about, you know, that the people go out of their way to get out of the equilibrium of what's correct for us. And, and, and I think, you know, we see the rise in mental health and, and um, people not responding well to, to all of these things we're throwing at us. And I, I don't know, it's huge conversations. And, and so all I really get to is, well, you know, ultimately we have to try the best we can to just at our individual level, not think too big all the time but at the same time um you know not like you say not let those businesses off the hook if they're not doing something right and i think uh that's the scary part right we live in this world now where we're almost encouraged to speak up and that's cool but at the same time it really does challenge you well what do i want to speak up about and i think um i'm very uh thankful that you are kind of educating us on this whole space because it's it's um something that i don't think that many people think about until it really happens to you and that's a scary thing um patty the final question i ask every guest and i don't really know why i just think it's interesting it's i asked them to for one moment that blew your mind meaning what's one thing that changed your perspective on on the world one thing that helped shape your perspective on the world um varied answers but do you have like a moment that really blew your mind that you couldn't wake up the same person the next day um that's an excellent question i see why you end it and um you know it's interesting when you get a question like this i think um I wish I had a lot more time to think because (laughs) a lot of different things. But the first thing that came to my mind is I think often the best. And I will say that it was as a result of the situation that I just described where I found myself without a job for the first time in 37 years. And, um, you know, admittedly it was by choice. I chose to leave, but I chose to leave because I didn't feel like staying was going to be good for my sense of self, you know? So um, it was a, you know, kind of a gutsy thing to do. And I wasn't exactly sure um, what I was going to do next. I didn't, you know, this book sort of became what I was going to do next, but I didn't know that, you know, when I was leaving. So um, I wrote this blog that I described to you. And in the blog, I I honestly wrote about, what I felt, what had happened, you know, and that I didn't know what I was going to do. And, you know, I, it's, I, I talked about some other things that were important to me, but then I put it out there. And one thing like you with your podcast or, you know, you, um, when you take things that you communicate to yourself, like I've always been somebody that writes or does things, but when you put it out there, then it is less about what I wrote and more about how people are reacting to mm-hmm. what I wrote. So, that was what kind of blew my mind. Like Mm -hmm. I did not expect to have so many people respond to my personal story. And I heard from people because I also wrote about the fact that I didn't have a job and I didn't know what I was going to do next. I heard from people, I've had a lot of jobs in my 37 years. So I heard from people from every facet of my career, wishing me luck, 
thanking me, saying, no, you're not done. You were a great boss. Or I had literally people who would thank me for some advice I gave them. And I would not only not remember what advice, I couldn't sometimes even remember who they were without going back and tricking my memory. And I just realized, okay, after this long career, I've impacted a lot of people. Mm. And you know, and the ones that are choosing to tell me about it anyway are telling me it was for good that our when our paths crossed, however they crossed, I did something good with that moment. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it just it it's a nice, it's an incredibly rewarding feeling. Yeah. <laughs> after working as long and as hard as I've worked, and again, I'm not done, so I hope to continue to have that impact. But um, it just made me realize I don't think I will ever not have an interaction with somebody without realizing they may remember this 20 years later, Yeah, you know? Yeah. So do good, wow. do the right thing. I think do the right thing is the correct thing. Um, yeah. So speaking to the international audience now um, about your book, is it available? Uh, how can people come across it? How can they follow you? What's, what's the best way to get, um, you know, your life experience that you've, uh, gone through and categorized for us now and archived for us for us to you know thank you and read it and and engage with your uh, work well the book will be is on amazon Mm -hmm. um and the um at the moment it's only on amazon but i also can be reached through i have two different websites and they're linked together so patty temple rocks patty with an i Mm -hmm. Um, dot com is my personal website. And then I also have I'm not done dot rocks, which is, um, you know, either way, I really want my book is so much richer and better because people trusted me enough to tell me their stories. And so I want to keep hearing people's stories. Um, as I said, I believe that business leaders, when they realize that they have been, you know, perhaps subconsciously or unconsciously treating their older workers differently, are going to want to do it better. And I want to try to help them do that. Awesome. So. Awesome. Well, I just want to thank you for joining me on the podcast. That's a, an, a, again, acknowledge the strange request that a, a person from New Zealand reached out to. Um, is this the first podcast you've been on in New Zealand can I can I yes, take, you yes. Can make that <laughs> that's awesome uh, and it wasn't odd at all it was delightful and it was really nice talking to you awesome um, appreciate your curiosity about yeah. the subject well if we don't have that what else do we have right and I feel like the world now needs some curiosity we've drawn some pretty hard lines and uh, I just don't want to live I don't like people boxing any of us and you know we have this thing in us that this creative spark whatever you call it and if we don't acknowledge it if we make it all about you know conformity i just think it's it's not good and it makes us unhappy and there's so much more that we can be so that's what this podcast represents okay i'll let you go thank you again for joining me and um hopefully uh lots of people go and visit your website um be awesome for some businesses to reach out to you from new zealand and maybe we could fly you across and get some of that with Wisdom on our lands that'd be very much needed in our in our small little country you know we try and operate on the world stage but we don't have many people so the shark mentality is is rife here you know we're constantly reshuffling and upheaval and all that kind of stuff and um yeah a bit of stability and and trusting all ages to do a to do the right thing is um, much needed so thank you very much 
Well, you won't have to invite me twice. Love to come. Okay. So, awesome. Thanks so much. Thanks, Patty. Have a great rest of your week. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This message is brought to you by Deadpool. Hi, Deadpool here. I just want to give maximum effort to my favorite Kiwi podcaster, Will Fleming, from Please Blow My Mind. Thank you for blowing my pants. <coughs> I mean mine, Will. If you also want your pants blown, go ahead and rate and review Please Blow My Mind on iTunes right now. And tell them Deadpool sent you. From the bottom of my pants, spank you. Spank you.